what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films. I am Alan Jackson. With me is Chris Fry. Chris, how are you doing? Doing well. Good, good. We are here together on the show. We talk about movies. We give some reviews of films we have seen recently. And normally we go into some movie news or some other types of interesting things. But today, today is a special episode. Today is all movie reviews nonstop. Sounds good. We have got, get a hold of this, people, eight films we're going to tell you about today. Crazy. Yeah. Now, it's not going to be 15 minutes uh, for each of the eight. Okay? That would be an insane episode of Films. So you don't have films. to block off the next two days. No, no, no. This is going to be a pretty quick hit thing. Okay. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go into our main review. We're going to review a film called The Avengers. We'll, I mean, most, most of you probably are not familiar <laughs> with it. So we'll tell you a little bit about this independent uh, Dark Horse film that's out there right now. Then we're going to break, and then we'll come back, and we both have some reviews of films we've seen recently, some fairly new films. And then I'm going to wrap it up with uh, some films I saw on a recent long, long flight trip that I had across the country, or across the world, actually. So I got to squeeze in five movies during my trip. Yeah, I know. It was actually made the time fly really nice. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you a little bit about those five films. They're all out on DVD or pretty close to DVD release now. So we'll wrap up with that. But first, uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into our main review, which is The Avengers. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. So when we needed them, they could fight the battles that we never could. So, The Avengers, Chris, have you heard of this film before the, you went to go see it? You know, I, I had heard uh, of the film just barely. Yeah. I think uh, I'd heard like maybe they were coming out with a small budget. And it was Very small a budget. superhero film, which was kind yes. of interesting because, you know, there are not many of those around. Well, I think this film needs as much attention as we can push to it right now because I, I, I'm, I'm fearful of its box office potential. Um, of course, we're joking here. This film <laughs> is like the biggest film in I don't know how many years right now. I think it's already on track to be the number three film of all time, box oh, wow. office wise, the way it's tracking. So yes, of course we're joking. This is the Avengers. This is the big summer movie right now going strong. We both had a chance to catch up with this movie in the last couple of weeks. I actually saw it on a midnight screening the night it came out. It was the night before I left for my around the world trip. And how many people were dressed up in costume and were you dressed up in costume? Uh, about five, and no, I was not, sadly. I was very <laughs> tempted to dress up beforehand, but ended up not doing that. Okay. Uh, but it was a fun screening just because you had a lot of really passionate fans out there, people sure. really looking forward to this film. So, Chris, there's a couple different ways we can talk about this film. I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with The Avengers. I'm fairly familiar with the comic book history. I'm a big fan of the superhero genre. So I may be a little skewed in my perception of this film or the way I review it because I'm reviewing it from a geek fan standpoint okay let me throw it over to you though how are you reviewing this film because you know you got two sides you got the side i just described and then you've got the true film critique of how it is as an actual film movie 
uh, type of thing. So where are you coming from on this? I, I will probably, I guess, lean towards the side of just normal film reviewer. Okay. Um, although I am a comic book fan, mm-hmm. I do lean more towards the DC universe as opposed to the Marvel Oh, you're universe. one of those people. Yes, mm, I am. Okay. So for that reason, I'm not quite as versed mm-hmm. on some of the details, so I can't geek out as much. So therefore, I'm left to see it as a average movie goer. Okay, well, you might be coming to it with a little more of a eh, film review mentality to Maybe. it where... Yes, I'll go ahead and say my film, my review is definitely tainted by the cool moments in there, the geek <laughs> moments, being a big fan of the franchise in general uh, to see. Okay. But uh, let me, I guess, kind of getting that out of the way and understanding where we're coming from on this. Let me just toss it over to you. Did this film work for you? Was it, was it all it was cracked up to be? Is it worthy of being the number three potentially big, biggest box office movie of all time? Well, I think, you know, short answer is yes. Uh, you know, okay. biggest box office movie. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the best movie. No, sure, it has the most not. meaningful themes or element. You know, no. It just means, is it a crowd pleaser? Is this movie a crowd pleaser? Sure. Much okay. in the same way Titanic or some mm-hmm. of the other ones. Um, so, you know, in that, and it's summer entertainment. It is going to be, you know, it's obviously come out in the summertime. It's supposed right. to be a big tentpole movie. Um, not supposed to have to think a lot about it. You know, has fun action scenes. So, yes, I think in all those things... It, it succeeds and you know it does a fine job um did you personally like really like the movie uh i, I liked it okay mm-hmm. i liked it okay I, I wouldn't say i would go out and recommend it but i don't think i need to because everyone's so you wouldn't go anyway. out and recommend it really no i don't i, I don't think i would unless i somebody was desperate to see something on a hot afternoon in the summer and they, but i i would say like i didn't hate it but it's not one that i would actively go out and say so oh, you thought it was a good movie, movie. But you're not a huge fan. Correct. You're not going to go out and sing its praises, but no. yet you're not going to actively discourage anybody from seeing it. Is that a pretty fair actually, assessment? And it, yes. And I think it actually is on par with how I feel about The Hunger Games. Hmm. Not a bad movie. This, you may have heard of this movie, too. I'm not sure, guys. I don't want to throw, mm, you, throw yeah. you a curveball. But um, it's another movie that came out this summer. It's good. It is adequate. It achieves what it set out to do. Be a big movie. But in and it has you know gotten lots of money. But in and of itself, is it a good film? Would I recommend it to people? No, I don't think I have to though because they're doing fine without me recommending. Because you know wow. things hinge on my opinion. But um, yeah, I don't. I would not actively recommend it as a good movie. I will say, pos- you know, but you know, positives in the film. I thought the acting overall. There was you know two different performances that I can point to that okay. I thought were. Yeah, who good. would they be? Um, that would be Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. He yep. is my favorite Hulk. There have been two others. Yes. Uh, well, Eric. three others if you count. Uh, well, the original. You know, yeah, I was talking right. about movie incarnations. Sure, but, I gotcha. um, Okay. So, you know, there's been Eric Bana, and mm-hmm. then they tried to reboot it, and they had uh, Ed Norton. Ed Norton, yeah. Um, and so I, Mark Ruffalo, something about his performance seemed a little bit more nuanced, and yet he was still had humor about himself. I just – I was – I really, really liked his performance, but I will say going in, I kind of liked the actor anyway, and it was exactly what I thought he would do. He just did a really good job of it. I was like, okay. that's going to be a good guy playing the Hulk, and he kind of looks like him physically a little bit, you know, like his hair and his bushy eyebrows and everything kind of kind of looks like the Hulk, so I was, sure. I was pleased with that. So who's the other performance? The other performance that I really liked was uh, Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki. Oh, yeah, Loki, the villain. And I, I thought he, I enjoyed his performance, so those, you know, that's, that's a positive for the film. Um, 
I enjoyed the uh, humor in the film. A little there was more, a lot of humor. A little bit more than what I, th- I thought it would be. Yes. Because um, I was going in for just action movie. Right. And, you know, superhero action movie, which I was that. But it also had some moments of humor that I thought were pretty pretty funny. Okay. Um, and then... I'm letting sh- you get everything out, okay. by the way, before well, I'm just, I... I'm just running okay. positives. No. You know. I know. Go and then for we'll, it. Then we'll slide into yes, the uh, areas of discontent. Go for it. Um, a positive also was I really enjoyed the Thor versus Hulk battle that they had. Um, that would the be the one inside the, uh, inside the helicraft? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, got it. I, I enjoyed that because... A, it seemed very comic booky because you have two big superheroed people that are very right. powerful and you see how they play up against each other. It's kind of like a childhood fantasy. It's like, oh, who would win between Thor and Hulk? You know, so that was all very interesting, but yet it still played to me an important part in the plot, like because Hulk was being wild. It, it just it made sense to me. Okay. Okay. Now we kind of go into the area of things that I did not well, like. Well, can I chime in before of we do that? Because sure. um, I've got some other positives to share. Okay. I was much, much more positive, enthusiastic about the film than it appears you were. Um, and there again, I may be a little skewed because of my personal fan affection for these characters. But this movie actually, I got to admit, when I first heard this this film was being announced and, and worked on, I was very fearful because I'm all, always fearful of the time they try to cram too much into a movie. Uh, if you think about some of the superhero movies, I think yes. I think that's where Chris. I just saw your eyebrows go up, so I got a feeling we're going to address this here in a minute. Too much, yes. All right, but you think about some of these other big blockbuster movies, and they do their sequels, and they add more characters to the sequel, more plot lines, more villains, more sure. everybody, and everything gets watered down. So when I heard about the Avengers, my first immediate reaction is, "Ooh, that could be really dangerous," because you're trying to cram all these characters and all these things into one movie. I got a bad feeling it's not going to work. I was pleasantly surprised that it worked for me as well as it did. Do I think every plot line was as examined as it should be? No. Do I think every character was given enough development? No. However, trying to put it into a two hour, 15 minute or whatever it ended up being running time. I think they got it about as right as you can get it for this many characters and this much action and this much humor in a perfect mix. I thought it worked. I, I have some misgivings as well, and I, I, I want to hear your thoughts, things that you didn't think has worked as well. I'm sure a couple of them are probably ones I have some shared sentiments on. However, I'm willing to overlook a lot of those shortcomings because I think the absolute feat of putting this movie together and still making it as crowd-pleasing, entertaining, and fun as it was, to me, outshone everything else. So I really, really, really enjoyed the film. I think... Yes, I agree. Tom Hiddleston and uh, uh, and the Hulk character in general. I'm not even just you know the live action version of him, but even the CGI version of him. Yeah. I thought really well done. Mm-hmm. I thought they really just got that character right for once. Yeah, when they hadn't in a while. Tom Hiddleston, I liked him in the Thor movie as well. I think he was actually better here in the Avengers than he was the Thor movie. He got yeah. to be more of a villain in this movie. He got yes. to really he shine to a lot do. more. Yeah. And I'll tell you a person that I was surprised by. I'm not going to go out and say she was a great actress in the movie. But compared to what I've seen her in recently, she was much better than I've seen her in a while. I actually think Scarlett Johansson did better in this film than I have seen her act in a really long time. I enjoyed her more in this film than I thought I ever would. I think Josh Whedon, who's the director, and he's, for those of you not familiar with his work, he's... uh, 
He did the whole Firefly TV series. He did Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series. Uh, he was a writer on The Cabin in the Woods that just came out a few weeks ago. Right. Um, he has an affinity towards female characters. He knows how to write female characters really, really well. And I think he gave jo- uh, Scarlett Johansson's character, The Black Widow, a much better sense of purpose in the film than I thought she would have had when I looked at the previews and thought about the film in advance. I just thought, I'm not going to say she did a great job. I just think she was very surprising. She exceeded my expectations on how she did in this film and her character. I got a lot of other positives too, but let's, (laughs) let's talk about the things that maybe you feel like did not work as well with the film. Well, starting, well, okay. Starting on Scarlett Johansson and the character she played Black Widow and then Jeremy Renner and Hawkeye. Um, that right there was profoundly irritating to me. That whole plot thread of Black Widow and Hawkeye, it was just useless. Well, what it, it is, is these two had a little bit of a plot line where there's some shared history between them. Right. They're both kind of the outsiders in the group a little bit and that they don't have any superpowers. And they're the, boring. <laughs> well, now they're not. <laughs> I'll admit, well, okay, we'll get to we'll get we'll get to the Hawkeye Jeremy Renner character in a minute for gotcha. me as well. But okay, go ahead and continue with your thought there. But yeah, so I just wish in a movie that I thought like you were claiming or said that you know it was a little over two hours, but it was you know he had a lot to do, but he somehow fit it in there and all fit. It did, but I think some of the time could have been if you take away the Black Widow Hawkeye relationship, that time could have been used in thoroughly examining some other things that would have been much more interesting and would have helped the movie as a whole make more sense. Okay. So you thought that was maybe a little bit of a distraction and just wasted. kind of wasted time. And I feel like the only reason it was put in there is because, Oh yeah, we got to have these people cause they're in the Avengers. And instead of doing what they did with all the other characters, which is give them a movie prior mm. to this movie, like the Hulk and Captain America, they all had starter movies, black widow and Hawkeye didn't. Yeah. And because of that, they just kind of crammed them in here and just whether they were trying to set up a, a, a movie for them individually, like a Black Widow movie, or you know, I don't know, or they just put. It, I just, I thought it was a a bad idea. Okay, all right, and uh, I think they should have should have left that out. Fair enough. Uh, next thing mm-hmm. was while I liked the Thor versus Hulk battle, and I thought it made sense in context of the story. Yes, there was another one that I thought was thoroughly stupid, and okay. that would be the Iron Man versus Thor battle in t- the woods. In the woods, really? Yes, I thought that was fun. Uh, I thought if I didn't, I I thought it was, I thought it was, I felt like it was stupid and it served no point other than for Iron Man to say a few funny things. It was just, it was dumb. And actually I was feeling this way, but I thought, Oh, maybe I'm being too hard on it. And then my son who just turned nine Turn, looked at me and he's like, Dad, why are they fighting? They're the oh, good guys. Exactly why like, they're fighting. Exactly, Simon. It oh, doesn't. They didn't oh. really set it up. Thor and Hulk. Did he turn to me? Which happens later in the film when Thor and Hulk were fighting. Did Simon turn to me and say, Dad, what's up? No, he understood. Even a nine-year-old captured understood why they were doing this. I thought the Thor and Iron Man thing made no sense. I get. It, I get but, it. They're trying to set up a battle between two big people, just like Thor and Hulk. No, but, but it was the deeper than that. The story didn't make sense. You got to keep in mind. Okay, they had just in this movie, they had just contained Thor's brother Loki. Right. right. They were transporting him somewhere. Agreed. Thor, rightfully so, felt like Lord Loki was his responsibility. He needed to take Loki back to Asgard or contain him some other way. So here are these interlopers, these these Earthlings, now taking my brother carting him away somewhere i'm going to take him back 
And Iron Man's like, no, you're not. And I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to fight about it. It totally made sense. Plus you've got in this, in, in Chris, and also you got to remember too, in the superhero world, one of the best things that comic creators do whenever they need like a, a fresh pump of energy in their, in their series is have heroes fight each other. Yes. Sometimes it's very contrived to find a reason for the heroes to fight each other, but that's what people want to see. I actually think they made good rationale for why the fight had to happen. And I enjoyed that fight in the woods. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it went on too long too. the amount of time because it, you know, it's, if I have to ask myself, why don't they just talk? Yeah. Why does Iron Man just say, Hey Thor, you know, I understand who you are. We're, you know, but we need to do this together. Like, you know, it was just, it was irritating. Well, that would, that would happen if Woody Allen was directing the Avengers. (laughs) Okay. Or Tarantino. Tarantino. Which would be an interesting thing. Everybody would just sit down and talk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I just, I thought it was, Okay. Dumb. All right. Well, fair and, enough. And there a better, again. a better movie would have either a not had that or would have explained it rationally. It was like Iron Man was jumping out of the head, flying headquarters and he kind of said over his shoulder like, "Oh well, he's got to bring him back." And I'm gonna. Get, it was like it was this throwaway explanation of we're gonna do this fight and here's why we're gonna do it. It was just. Yeah. It was lazy. All right. Well, I disagree was, with you on that one, but that's fine. That's fair. Well, go ahead and move along. Um. Okay. So. Wow, you're still like reviewing a list of notes. You've got oh, yeah. a lot of things picking oh, yeah. out on this. Yeah, okay. Ammunition. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> So uh, the intro of Loki, I thought, was also very poorly handled. Um, this is at the very beginning of the film. Very, I mean, it's yeah, like really it within may, the first five minutes. some of the opening shots. I don't, yeah. can't recall. It was actually the first but two or three minutes. It just thank boom, goodness. There. Did you see this film in 3D? No. Okay, neither did I, thank goodness, because yeah. I can't imagine how, A, annoying some of the action sequences would have been, which were fine for me, non-3D, but 3D, I think they just would have been headache-inducing. But the opening scene... Or with Loki, at least. I can't mm-hmm. remember if it's somebody seen the movie. was very dark. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't dark for me in a cool, atmospheric way. It was dark for me in a very irritating X-Files. I can't see what the heck is going on, and this is just annoying me type way. Right. If it had been 3D, I can't imagine how even more dark. I heard some been. bad reports on the 3D. So, yeah, I'm generally staying away from 3D unless it's like a Pixar-type gotcha. film or something. Yeah. But I thought it, it didn't make a lot of sense and it was basically there again, kind of if they had taken out Black Widow and Hawkeye, they could have used some of that time to explain a little bit more of what was going on in the mini mm-hmm. and lazy as well, because they're just depending on you to have seen the Thor movie, which I had. Mm-hmm. So I understood a who Loki was and kind of the whole ice giants thing. But I think that's lazy filmmaking to automatically depend and he's a big part it's not like just some sideline like oh yeah here's a minor little thing that you would think was cool if you had seen thor no it kind of relies on you to have seen thor to understand everything that's going to be going on Mm. because loki is a key bad guy and his whole relationship with thor i i don't know i just i feel like that was lazy and it could have been handled better if they hadn't had hawkeye and what what i'll give you at the beginning is i do think the beginning was awkward Awkward. It it basically just opened up in kind of a mid scene. I mean, it was like like it had been cut from the Thor movie, almost <laughs> a little bit. And yeah. uh, you know, the introduction of Hawkeye was very quick, and it was like, oh yeah, here's Hawkeye, and here's what's happening, and oh here's Loki, and now people are attacking, and it was a very awkward opening. I'll give you that much. I did not like the opening ten minutes of the film. I thought that could have been handled much much more elegantly and set up in things a lot better. I give you that. Um, okay, all right. What else you got? Well. Um, I'll come down to my, my final, your final, uh, complaint. Yes. Criticism of the film. And unfortunately this did happen at the end. So it left me with, I think 
has contributed to my kind of like, really, guys? That's really what you're doing here? Um, I did not appreciate and thought it was kind of tacky, the 9-11-ness towards the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, They showed a lot of news footage that had images that were very similar to 9-11. And then they showed the whole memorials of people lighting candles. And it was this... to me, it resonated a little bit too close to 9-11, and oh, wow. I didn't need that. And I, I thought didn't it was, get that at I all. I thought it was kind of tacky. Well, that's, that's good. But to me, it just kind of rubbed me. Well, you know, granted, I guess it's not too soon. We're in 2012, and that happened in 2001. Yeah, I, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get that. I'd Especially be curious for a superhero movie yeah. to be doing that, I just thought it was kind of... Hmm. I'd be curious tacky. if anybody else picked up that same thing. I honestly did not. It didn't hit me at all with that. So, interesting. Um the only the only thing I'll give you is uh, that you gave a list on. The only thing I'll give you that I thought was a weakness is the Hawkeye character with with Jeremy Renner. That one I agree. I think they should have left that guy out. Um, Black Widow, I'm okay with them having in there Scarlett Johansson's character because a she was set up in the uh, one of the Iron Man films. Well, Hawkeye was set up in Thor. Oh, he was in there for like thirty seconds. Briefly. I don't really count that. No, Black Widow was a pretty prominent role in the Iron Man film, and plus they really needed a female. I totally get that. You know, yeah. if they had just kept it to the four big guys that had had their own movies, I understand that. I understand you need a female in there. I think they could have gone by with the five, left Hawkeye for a future one, and that would have saved a little bit of that plot development. I think, I think that was enough. Um, Actually, you know what? Here's the thing. And I agree, but I think they should have given Black Widow a movie prior and the whole plot line could have been her trying to save like Hawkeye. And then you could have brought them both into this. That movie. could have worked. You know, it's but like there again, it's movie. still. Yeah, it, it, I agree. There was a little bit of just time wasted with trying to explore a little bit of their backstory. Right. I just felt like the Hawkeye was kind of getting shoehorned into the movie and it just didn't yeah. fit as well. So Agreed. I'll give you that. He's a cool character. I was excited to hear he was in the film, but I was disappointed with how little he had to do. And how much time they spent on trying to explore backstory that didn't really mean anything. Gotcha. So I'll give you on that. Beyond that, no, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you on anything else you said. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought every every uh, battle scene was great. I thought the humor was perfect. And, uh, pitch note, you know, in a, in a in a world right now where we've got these superhero films where everything wants to go dark. I mean, it's like the Batman films are very dark. Even some of the other Marvel films have gone a little on the dark side. This one, you know, said we're not going to go dark. Okay, we 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 have our few little intense moments. We have our few moments that might get a little more on the serious side, but otherwise, we're going to have fun with this movie. We're going to give everybody what they want from what they, what they want from a popcorn big blockbuster movie. And I think they did it. I think they, I think it worked really well. Well, and I think that's where I I am overall disappointed because I've heard you extol the virtues of Joss Whedon and how mm-hmm. he appreciates everything and how he's a good director. And I, I, the only thing I could base this on as far as superhero movies that I really like are the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they are dark, but that I feel like that's true to the Batman character. I think that's a whole different level, a whole different category of movies to me. And I was hoping that this Avengers movie, because Joss Whedon, everybody's talking about, Oh great. Joss Whedon gets to do it. I was hoping that he would bring some, gravitas to it and instead mm. it was more like nope it's just a superhero movie i'm not saying there again i'm not saying he did a bad job directing but somewhere in the writing and kind of formulating everything i thought it would have had a little bit more style hmm. and i i didn't think it had that it was just a superhero movie so that's it was kind of okay. a whereas nolan stuff i feel like and you, i understand it's like a whole different realm because it's serious and not trying to make a 
a movie for everyone, but it's something about, I was hoping there would be some style there. And well, I, felt like I think what Joss Whedon brings, he's not a, he's not a stylish director. Ah. He's not a visual guy at all. He's a writer. Hmm. He's by, by trade. That is what he's really known for. I mean, he's written comic books. He's written TV shows. He's written, he directs things too, but he's right. primarily a writer. Okay. Um, and I think that's where the writing, that's where he really got to shine a little bit more on this because he took what could have been a very much by the numbers superhero film and I thought there was added a lot of great dialogue, a lot of great humor, some really fun scenes that I don't know if another writer would have been able to pull out quite as easily as mm. he did with this. Um, the fact that, I mean, there were moments in the theater where people were laughing so much I couldn't hear the next line of dialogue. Mm. I cannot remember that happening in a superhero film in a really long time. There were scenes where everybody was cheering, okay? That's, again, something where I don't see that with other of these big blockbuster films. Hmm. So I think that needed a good writer to make those moments happen, to make those scenes work. A um, couple standout things for me that just I just don't think an, other writers would have really picked up on. Um, the scene towards the end, the final, I'm not going to spoil too much here, but the final little showdown scene between Loki and the Hulk. Okay. Mm-hmm. To me was a scene where it's like, that was a perfect example of some great writing. You have the bad guy getting ready to do the monologue about how, uh, how badass he is as a bad guy. And just right in the middle of it, before he even finishes the sentence, he is getting just pummeled by the Hulk, which well, is totally unexpected. And it was humorous. It was, people were cheering. I agree. That's that a great was, scene. That was a great. And if that's a Joss Whedon moment, then okay, that worked. And that yeah. was good. There was a similar thing with, after Hulk and Thor have had their fight later in the movie, they're they're as a team oh, working yeah. as a uh-huh. team, right? And Hulk kind of pays Thor back for how he treated him yes. earlier. That is also very those okay. If those I think are, those are if those Josh Whedon touches. Yes. Then those were those were good. Um, I'd forgotten, but I have to. I can't have to mention it because this is also pretty early in the film. Uh-huh. Um, I really hated the scenes with Robert Downey Jr. and Gwyneth Paltrow. Hated them. Really? Yes. Wow. And I understand because I've seen the other two Iron Man films and to go to where they're like, oh, and the shots of Gwyneth Paltrow from behind just like showing her butt and everything. It was like basically <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's butt and Robert Downey Jr. Those are the, I just, That's the movie poster. It's yes. Gwyneth Paltrow's butt and Robert Downey Jr. And I'm not to say Gwyneth Paltrow, she is an attractive lady. That's not, but she was wearing like Daisy Dukes. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, so very ridiculous that it was just distracting. And actually it set up me hating Iron Man for that entire movie. Wow. I really disliked because like when he would say funny things, he was more to me, he was more being annoying when anybody else would say things like Thor would make comments about Loki. You know, those were genuinely funny things. But for some reason, because of that setup, I think because it was a kind of a sexist setup and they were like doing this gross. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you type little thing back and forth <laughs> made it really disgusting and it bothered me. Wow. And then I didn't like Iron Man for the rest of the film. So okay, that's I don't know I if that's didn't. a weed and touch or not, but I didn't get that didn't at like all it. either, but yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So be it. Well, I, I think it sounds like we're, we're kind of on different extreme, not extremes. I'm not going to say this was a perfect film by any chance. There were a lot of little, issues with it, some things that didn't quite work as well. But overall, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. You were on more of a, it was an adequate movie. It was a decent summer uh, summer escape, but not something you're going to go out and rush and tell anybody else about. Correct. Okay. I, I'm definitely more on the positive side. I thought it was great. Uh, as we said at the beginning, I don't think we're needing to encourage anybody to go check this out and, and uh, to review it. Uh, it sounds like pretty much everybody in the world has seen it like 2.5 times at this point. So yeah, I'd, uh, I've, and they've already said that a sequel is already. Oh yeah, I think they started happen. a sequel like two it. minutes after opening night. So. Here's a question yeah. for you: 
if Joss Whedon, which I think they've said, I, I don't think, if Joss Whedon does not direct the second one, will you still mm-hmm. be interested in it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Even though it could be a disaster because it could of be. how you were saying. But you know what? I, I, the great thing about these, these franchise movies is, you know, the first movie, you have to set all the characters up and you have to spend a lot of time developing them. Now, we had the luxury with this film. They didn't have to do that as much because it was already being done in the other films. Mm-hmm. When the characters got together, we didn't need the whole backstory of Iron Man or the whole backstory of Captain America. We already got those in the other films. But what's even better now is, okay, the team's assembled. You know, we don't have to go through the whole process of trying to figure out how to get them together. They're there. So just like other superhero films, their second film, they kind of get to get rid of the whole origin story and just go into a good good action story or good plot. That's what kind of makes me excited about a second one. I will be very curious to see who directs it or writes it because I do think it takes a certain amount of talent to pull all these characters together and give them a fair shake and give them equal time and give them enough attention um, without getting too bloated, without getting too thin on anything. That's a real tough act. And I think it's going to be very critical to see who they get to not only write it, but also direct the next film. Do you think it's going to be a challenge for people to, for directors who are going to have to direct these movies? They're doing, they've already said Captain America two, Thor two, Iron Man three. Do you think it's going to be a challenge for people to care about those movies when they've seen a movie with everybody in it? Do you think they're going to want to kind of regress back to being, oh, here's just Captain America all by himself? Well, no, I think here's what I think is going to happen. I think, yes, that could be a problem, but I think they're starting to treat these movies like the comic books, okay? In that you sometimes do have to see the movie before it to know what's going on in this movie. You mentioned that, you know, People probably needed to see some of Thor and Captain America and Iron Man to better appreciate getting into this movie at this point. I think Marvel's basically saying, you know what, we that's okay with us. We want people to follow along with this story. So now what's going to happen is they can start to carry over some of the elements from the Avengers movie into the individual storylines. But then knowing that everything's still going to come back for like a second Avengers. In other words, if you want to get the complete story, you kind of have to go see these other movies. Right. I think that's the angle they're going to take is making it all woven together into one big storyline. Right. It actually makes good sense. I think that's why the Avengers was such a big popular uh, success this past weekend because they have successfully built this universe where everything's kind of culminating in one movie and now they can keep that universe growing. Um, So I I think, yes, it's going to be a challenge as, as any movie is to find a really good story for these individual characters. But if they keep carrying through this overall big picture storyline and build to the next movie, everybody's just going to gobble it up left and right, I think. Mm-hmm. So I do think from here on out, director selection on films becomes very critical. I think they've already announced uh, Iron Man 3 is, is filming now. Shane Black, who did um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh. Um, few other films, not a big name director, but he's doing Iron Man 3. So Favreau's not. That's right. Favreau's out on that. Uh, I don't know if they've announced a Captain America 2 director yet. Um, and Thor 2, it's not going to be Kenneth Branagh. It's going to be somebody else. That's so, too bad. Yeah, I agree. I, I was kind of hoping he'd get to do it again. I think it just becomes very critical to have good directors and writers going forward. And that's where I think Avengers 2, although I'm looking forward to it, it should be fun. Man, if they put the wrong writer or director, it could become an absolute mess because you know the studio 
is already thinking about what other characters we could add to the team. You've got to have a new character or two. And all I'm thinking is that's just going to water it down more. So you've got to have a good skilled director to bring it all together. Sure. It's going to be interesting. Sure. So, okay. So that's the Avengers. Uh, It'll probably be running for like the next six or seven months uh, at this (laughs) pace. So you have plenty of time to go see it. Um, But if you have any thoughts on what we said about the film, you know, feel free to send us a note, let us know. You can drop us a line at info at themesh.tv or uh, go on our website and fill out the simple little contact us form at themesh.tv. Um, and then, of course, our film society, footcandle.org, you can go to and uh, find out what other films we've been uh, talking about and seeing so far lately as well. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it is Review a Palooza as we go through <laughs> a whole bunch of films, give you some quick reviews on things we've seen recently. So stay tuned. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films. In this segment, we're going to briefly review two films, the first of which is another movie that's come out this summer, which is Dark Shadows. Hear me, future dweller. What is the year? 1972. 1972. Uh, My beloved Colin, what? The Collins family. Who the hell is this? I'm a vampire, madam. Yeah. He's just staying with us forever, is he? I like him. Oh, super cat. Welcome home, Barnabas Collins. How soon can the horses be ready? We don't have horses. We have a Chevy. With this summer's film, Dark Shadows, we have Tim Burton and Johnny Depp teaming up again. And they've done so several times in the past, obviously. And I believe this is their eighth collaboration. Eighth. Okay. Maybe? Yes. So, Alan, I want to know from you, is this a... Alice in Wonderland performance, or is this a Ed Wood slash Sweeney Todd worthy collaboration? I'm taking it by that question that you're assuming that the Alice in Wonderland collaboration was a bad one. Yes. Which I agree. I did not like Alice in Wonderland. Um, Is it more of the Ed Wood uh, collaboration, which was a fantastic movie and probably their best collaboration on screen so far? No. Well, let me, but let me explain. There's a, there's some nuances to this review. okay? Okay. Let me let me back up and give you a little a little little background here. I really do admire Tim Burton. I've been a fan of his films since the very beginning. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, the original Batman movie. I mean, those are to me classics. Have that, you seen all of his films? Yes, I've seen every single one of his films. Uh, I really do like Tim Burton as a director. He has not been performing <laughs> up to par the last probably ten or twelve years. I think it really started for me when the uh, Planet of the Apes remake came out. Okay. Ugh. That, that was the first Tim Burton movie that put a sour taste in my mouth that I just did not like. Okay. And since then, it's been very hit or miss. I really like Sweeney Todd. Right. I, I thought that, that one was a big thing. surprise, and I thought it was really good. Uh, I did not like Alice in Wonderland. I did not like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, so overall, it's been more miss than hit the last 10 years or so. I was excited about Dark Shadows because it seemed to be a possibility for a return to form for Tim Burton. Uh, Because I think when he can get into the gothic 
mentality of things. That's kind of his visual. That's his thing. Yeah. That's his little wheelhouse. You know, he's, yep. he's good there. And although I'm a little tired of the partnership with Johnny Depp, I will give him Johnny Depp's a good actor yeah. and Johnny Depp really commits himself to the roles he gets into. The problem here was not the look of the film. It was not Depp's performance or anything. Those were all actually really good. It's just this movie didn't make any sense. It was a, it was almost like Johnny Depp and Tim Burton got into a room and said, wouldn't it be cool if we had a scene that did this? Wouldn't it be really cool if we had a scene that did this? Wouldn't it be really cool if my character did this? Hmm. They put them all up on the board and say, okay, now somehow we've got to stitch them all together. Hmm. That became the story and it just doesn't work. Um, this is a remake, or not a remake. It's a uh, based on an old uh, TV show. So was it British or? Is it I think it's American? British, and it was like a soap opera. I mean, it okay. actually ran during the day. It was a soap opera that tried to be a little on the gothic side, and then when they were not getting the ratings they needed by the second season, they started introducing all these supernatural elements just to spice up the show. So this movie is based off of that that idea. Okay. Um, it's a it's it vampires, a, right? It's a vampire. It's a gothic soap opera. And, you know, it's all about these family connections and, you know, who's uh, in love with who and who's trying to hurt who and all of that. Okay. It's very much a soap opera-ish style with a gothic feel. That alone, I'm okay with. I'm good with that. Gotcha. Seems like he would be good with that. Yes. And performances there again. Johnny Depp was very committed. I thought his role was great. He was fun to watch on screen. Eva Green, who plays the the witch that basically curses Johnny Depp's character, uh, Barnabas. Uh, for his for eternity and turns him into a vampire, she was really good. Actually, okay. she was a big surprise. I'd never seen her in this kind of role where she's having fun and she's you know, kind of catty and just getting to play a bad uh, a villain. It was really fun. Michelle Pfeiffer really good in the film as well. I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, everybody was really good. It's just unfortunately there was just not a good story to bring it all together. Some cool set pieces, some cool visuals, some funny moments, some interesting scenes, but as a whole, it just didn't work. Do you know who did the script for it? I'm curious. Um, I think Tim Burton did ah. some of that. Yeah, and that's actually something that I've noticed. I, I went back and looked over his uh, filmography, and back in the early days, he didn't write his scripts. Gotcha. Um, he directed people's scripts. Lately, he's been writing more, and I think that's been part of the problem. Gotcha. Um, I think visually, he's a, he's a genius. But I just don't think he knows how to really write a good story. Got you. So anyway, that's it with Dark Shadows. If you're a big Tim Burton fan and you're kind of a completist, you know, where you need to see all of his stuff, it's not a terrible movie. Is it better than Alice in Wonderland? I liked it better than Alice okay. in Wonderland because it's not – I mean, Alice in Wonderland was just a, three, a 3D CGI just beat you over the head with stuff. Right. Was this was much waste. better okay. than that, but still nowhere as good as any of his classic films. Um Still has me worried about that that Tim Burton Johnny Depp relationship. I hope they don't do another film together for a while. They need another. He needs another big fish. Tim Burton needs say, another big that's fish. That's the right last now. film of his that I really, 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 yeah. really liked was um, Big Fish, and I yeah. thought like that's his best film. He could quit right now and he'd be yep. ahead. I did Sweeney like, Todd and Big Fish were probably the best films he's done. In Sweeney Todd, yeah. when I heard that Tim Burton was doing that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. It seems like it would fit into his you know wheelhouse and everything. Right. And then I saw it, and it was, I thought it was really good. I, yeah. I, originally, it was a little mixed, but I was really tired because I saw it late at night. But when I saw it again, I really, really liked yeah. it. Interesting with Dark Shadows, I heard that he was doing it, and I thought it was going to be the same type thing. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's going to be amazing because that's perfect fit for him. But it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like There again, Big Fish and, and Sweeney Todd are the best films he's done in the latter half of his career, gotcha. I think. And this was nowhere close to either of those. 
Um, but it was a little better than the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the Alice in Wonderland, I thought, just because it was more fun. The right. other two were just, I just were just mind numbing and just irritating. <laughs> this one was neither of those. Just it just didn't work though. So, so since and as you described, you know Tim Burton completists that I am one of those. So you're saying I should see this? I think you should see it. Okay. Um, on the scale of should you go pay full, uh, full big multiplex price or wait for Netflix streaming? Uh, wait for the Netflix streaming. Gotcha. I think you'll enjoy it a little bit more. Okay. So, yeah. so nothing that needs to be taken in on the big screen visually. Yeah. Even though Tim Burton is kind of putting No, I mean, and there again, some of the visuals, yes, were fun on a big screen. And uh, he knows how to make a shot look really, really cool. Got you. But um, it's just, in the end, it just didn't add up to a really great film at all. Um so let me turn the tables. That was a film that I saw you have not seen yet. Uh, you recently got to see a film that I have not seen yet, and that film is Jeff, Who Lives at Home. I can't help but wonder about my fate, my destiny. What if there's no wrong numbers? Maybe it's always the right number. Hello? Mom? Jeff? Hi. You know you're supposed to say hello when you pick up the phone. Get off that couch or you're going to find someplace else to live. It's kind of in the middle of something right now, Mom. Jeff, what do you do in the basement? You're not cleaning it. You really want to know? You didn't like it last time we had this Okay, no, no, you're right. I don't. So, Jeff, Who Lives at Home, this was a foot candle film that just recently screened at our film society. Unfortunately, I was out of the country and not able to attend, which really pained me because I was looking forward to seeing this film. Uh, Jason Siegel, Ed Helms, and I'm looking forward to hearing you uh, what you have to say about this film. I was very curious to see Jason Siegel in a, a little more of a mature, a little more of a independent type role because, you know, it's been the Muppets and it's mm-hmm. been some of the big, uh, bigger comedies and anxious to see him in a little more of an independent themed film. Sure. Ed Helms, same way. I think Ed Helms is a good comedic actor. Very curious to see them. And when I heard they were going to be in a Duplass Brothers film, that got me really excited because those guys are some very interesting filmmakers with a very interesting style. So tell me, Chris, that what did I miss? You missed a lot. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, uh, I think it's one of the better that. better films I've seen in a long time. Oh, you're painting me. Of course and I missed I know, it. I know. And uh, I really am excited for the next movie that the Duplass Brothers do because okay. you know they, they're only getting better. I've seen two other films of theirs. I saw The Puffy Chair, which is mm-hmm. the first one, and then I saw the more recent one, Cyrus. Yes. And both of those were good, but this film bridge has bridged the gap between kind of their independent roots and kind of the mainstream. And I'm actually really surprised that Jeff, who lives at home, didn't do better in the theater, but I guess it kind of has come out and like the summer movies were already ramping mm-hmm. up and it just got washed over. But it was really, really good. It's a comedy. Right. But yet it has some pretty serious theme elements in there that make it more heavy. And it's just well, that was actually you hit on something I was going to ask you about, which was the is this them traipsing into mainstream a little bit? Because this film didn't get a mainstream appeal. It didn't get a huge wide release, I don't believe. I don't believe so. But it did have two fairly big stars, probably the biggest stars that they've had in a film. Uh, Cyrus had. John C. Riley and Jonah Hill, and Jonah Hill, which obviously big names, but mm-hmm. I think actually Jason Siegel and Ed, Ed Helms maybe even a little bit above, combination wise, bigger names to headline a big mainstream movie right now. Sure. Um, so I was just curious if you felt them moving into mainstream, if that was okay, if they were. I mean, I, I guess as a whole, yeah, they kind of are moving into the mainstream, but if they can continue the creativity and not relinquishing some of their trademarks for right. their independent style, 
one of the things that I've never, I'd never seen a Duplass movie in the theater. Right. Um, and one of their trade, the other two, Cyrus and Puffy Chair, I'd seen at home. And one of their trademarks is a very handheld style. Mm-hmm. And it didn't bother me in the earlier two films, but in Jeff Who Lives at Home, it actually really bothered me. Hmm. And it kind of not made me feel motion sick or anything like that. I felt like they were just doing it to kind of say, hey, we're still independent film directors. Hey, remember, we're, still, we're the Duplass brothers. Yeah, this yeah, is exactly. what we do, right? And I, and I kind of felt it a little annoying. However, I will say that there are so many themes in the movie that one of it is people kind of drifting through life and not really know what they're doing and kind of being unsettled. And that's kind of a theme throughout the movie. And then at the end of the movie, there's some resolution of sorts for different people. Mm-hmm. And the the jerkiness of the camera, the handheld nature of it kind of goes away as you go throughout the film. Ah, okay. So maybe obviously there's something I like the film, but I'm also going to go say that I'm reading into it that maybe the cinematography, the slow, subtle differences actually were reflecting what was going on in the film. Any uh, standout performances? Um, definitely. Um, Jason Siegel was really good. And okay. he, you know, like you said, he'd been in the Muppets. He's been in some bigger movies for getting Sarah Marshall, for getting Sarah Marshall. And, uh, I love, uh, I love you, man. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So he's, he's been in those. And with this, I guess it's kind of, a. It's similar to the loser performance that he does in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, mm-hmm. but a much less, much less glossy performance, I guess. And he's just, it was, it was really understated, but still his timing was like dead on. Ed Helms, I was really refreshed to see him in this because um, the other movies I'd seen him in like Hangover and uh, Cedar Rapids, which you're going to discuss, I think. Spoiler. Um, yeah, spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> um, I felt like he was basically playing a version of himself on the office. Sure. And in this movie, his character is nothing like Andy from the office. His character is completely different. Okay. He's brothers with the titular Jeff and, um, they have to kind of find out what they're doing in life and kind of find a purpose. In addition to their mother is also struggling with that issue. The mother played by Susan Sarandon, Mm -hmm. who's another strong performance in the film and the, they do a really good job, I feel like, between balancing Jeff's storyline, the brother's storyline, and the mother, Susan Sarandon's storyline. They do a really solid job. And some people may say the payoff at the very end of the film, how they kind of wrap everything up, for a Duplass Brothers film may have felt a little rushed mm-hmm. or a little convenient. But I thought they'd kind of earned it because of what they were aiming for and what they were going for. And without ruining anything... Um, this movie starts off with one of my favorite shots that I've can think of in a long time. And Mm. it is Jeff delivering a monologue to the camera. Hmm. I'll just keep it kind of simple. at saying that won't spoil anything, but he's delivering a monologue and it has to do with the movie signs by M night Shyamalan. Oh, okay. And he lays out some ideas of his about what life means and how things happen. Okay. And then there's a conclusion of the scene that's funny and you laugh and you think, oh, okay. And you think it's throwaway, but actually throughout the entire film, there are these little threads that keep coming back about what do things mean and why are they happening? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the film, there's a payoff. And to me, it's like an artistic art house version of M night Shyamalan that actually works. You know, that's what he got damaged for is he did that in sixth sense and he kept trying to do that little, you know, quirky twist playoff thing. Right. And it backfired on him. But you know, hmm. the Duplass brothers who started from independent beginnings have now had it happen in this film, and I think it actually works. And if they can continue making movies like this, regardless of if they have a twist or not at the end, 
I think it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see their next film. Wow. So two very opposite reviews here. Um, (laughs) One was a very established director who's been around for probably close to 20 years making movies. That was a disappointment for a big fan of mine. The other one, new up and coming directors knocking it out of the park with you and a great review. So interesting. Good. I have to say now we have to turn to the portion of the show where I'm jealous of Alan because he got to see several movies during his flight to Thailand. <laughs> yes. So I'm yes. going to let you just uh, shoot out all your reviews of these. Well, I, I, and here's the setup is that I, I did fly to Thailand for a week. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, Thailand is a really, really, really far away. Uh, <laughs> it was about 20 hours of flying in each direction. Wow. However, to my surprise, when I sat down in my seat, Already worried about how I was going to entertain myself for 20 hours. That's a long Lo time. and behold, the little screen in front of me on my seat had a on-demand movie system. Nice. With about 40, 50 films to choose from. So I selected five during my trips uh, there and back that I'm going to give you some quick reviews on. Excellent. Now, Chris, you may have seen a couple of these, so feel okay. free to chime in and let me know uh, how you felt about these. But start the clock, five films, <laughs> quick review. Here we go. First off, the film Young Adult. This is a film by Jason Reitman, who I'm very enamored with right now as a director. He did uh, Up in the Air. He did Thank You for uh, Smoking. Juno. Uh, Juno. Yeah, mm-hmm. Juno. And I don't even know who he's working on next, but I don't care. I'll go see it regardless. This okay. is fourth film that I'm aware of of his. Um, Charlize Theron, who I've never been a big fan of. I, I just I just don't see it. I mean, she's a pretty girl, but I just don't get her as an actress. I think she's I don't. bad. I just, no, it's just there's nothing special yeah. to it. Um the film itself was was interesting in that it was not at all what I expected. It was actually a much more dramatic movie and surprisingly dramatic towards hmm. the end. Um, and it did not end in a conventional Hollywood style at all. Man, you're selling this movie to me pretty No, far. no. I think you'll like it. I like <laughs> I think it. I will too. I will say, though, I thought the weakest link was, was Charlize Theron herself. Really? I don't think she was real, well cast for this. Hmm. I do think it was a good performance by her. But I still had a hard time buying her character, um, the whole movie. If you uh, had look, to cast somebody else, who would you cast? Oh, Just gosh. off the top of your head. I, since ooh. you think she didn't do a good job. Boy, I, I'd, have to, job, but. I'd have to think about that for a little bit because okay. I don't know. It needs to be somebody who's pretty because that is a big part of the movie. Okay. She is slightly can be glamorous. She's very seductive. She's very pretty. But she's spoiled, spoiled, spoiled rotten. Got somebody for you. Who's that? Natalie Portman. Yeah, Natalie Portman could have done it. I totally okay. Yep, you're right. That could have done it. Um, Quick little just summary of the film. Basically, she is a ghostwriter for uh, children's teen books. So she's the one that writes all these uh, series, almost like the Twilight series of books. Got you. But she's not the one who's the names on the front cover. Mm -hmm. So right away, that kind of tells you a little bit about her character. Yes, she's gotten successful. But she's not the one out there getting all the attention. Got you. But back in high school, she was the glamour queen. She was the the the, the girl that you know slept around a lot, and mm-hmm. all the guys fawned over. Well, she decides that uh, when she finds out that her old high school boyfriend uh, is married and having a or, and just had a new baby, she puts it upon herself to decide that you know what that was the guy that was meant for her, and she's mm-hmm. going to go and steal him back away. Got you. That's the film. And it, it ends a little more on a on a interesting dramatic note. Um, Patton Oswalt is in it, and he's really that. good. Is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's still playing the same character he plays in about everything he's in right now. Um, I don't know if you saw the movie Big Fan that he's in. No, but I've heard that's supposedly really good. It is. It's a good film, and uh, he's still playing the same schlubby character, 
with kind of an interesting mind and interesting take on things, but he's really good here. Okay. So young adult, I think I'd be curious to hear and maybe a follow up episode whenever you see it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And it's real quick. It's a, the second pairing between Diablo Cody who wrote Juno. That's true. And Jason Reitman who directed it. Yes. It's another one. So and were you a fan of Juno? I was. Okay. I really liked Juno. This was not as good as Juno. Okay. But I could definitely see there's a lot of similarities to it. Okay. Um, and it was, you know, it was refreshing to see a movie end where the main character doesn't come around, doesn't wow. turn a turn the other corner, and this really poor excuse of a character all of a sudden sees the light and becomes better. And I'm not going to spoil anything with it, but it's kind of refreshing <laughs> to see that you know, in human nature, not everybody learns their lessons. Okay, okay, we'll leave it at that. Okay, second movie, we bought a zoo. Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Um, so Cameron Crowe, man, you know, kind of like Tim Burton back in the day, man, Cameron Crowe could do no wrong with me. Uh, Jerry Maguire, still one of my favorite movies. Almost Famous is one of Almost my favorite famous, movies. Yeah. Those two, back to back, when he made those two movies, he is at the top of his game. Say Anything, of course, is a classic. Um, I didn't even mind Vanilla Sky as much, although I thought that was a oh, inter- I loved Vanilla I thought Sky. it was an interesting, interesting misfire for him. Although I liked the movie, I, I could tell there was some parts of it he didn't feel comfortable with directing oh, as man, well. I love that then Elizabethtown came around, oh, which was <laughs> not that great, <laughs> not horrible. But we bought a zoo, man. Um, it was it was one of the most schmaltzy, just over-the-top sentimentality films that I've seen. And it was almost Cameron Crowe struggling so much to make it cool in certain places. Mm. It just didn't work. Would it Would it help if it was framed to you as not a Cameron Crowe movie, but a family movie? Or would it still Well, just it definitely be was a family movie. Okay. And it was geared that way. And it okay. was very clear that, you know, this is a perfect family movie. Okay. And that's the way they're trying to gear it. But you still got him sliding in some pieces of dialogue that's trying to be hip and cool uh, and it doesn't work. Okay. Occasionally he puts in the little music, uh, soundtrack where, you know, of course an almost famous and uh, say anything. It it's, yeah. it works here. It's almost just feels forced. Uh-huh. Actually, there's one scene. I, I guess let me go back to a quick plot of the movie. It's based on a book. So I will give him that much. Oh, okay. It's not something where he wrote it it's originally. It's just a formulaic Disney movie. No, okay. this is a book that he's uh-huh. adapting. It's a true story okay. about a, uh, a man, a widow, with two kids who um, basically wants to go through a change in his life. He feels like because of his wife's death, he and his kids are kind of in a rut. They're kind of in a bad place. He goes and moves, wants to just get out in the country, go away, and he buys a zoo. He has to buy a house that he really wants, but it's attached to a zoo. And whoever buys the house has to actually buy the zoo. And it's a little convoluted. It's a little contrived, but there it is. Uh, The setup for it was awkward, not believable, but so be it. (laughs) So then he's having to learn how to run a zoo. And of course, his kids, there's a lot of family drama involved. And the young teenage son is very despondent and kind of hates his father sometimes. And they have to bond together and blah, blah, blah. Scarlett Johansson, making a second appearance in our episode today, is also (laughs) in this film as the zookeeper main person that, of course, he develops some affinity towards. Um, It's just, I mean, getting back to the whole Cameron Crowe thing, the problem here was... You know, if you just want to play it as a straight family film, mm-hmm. go for it. You know, make it sentimental, make it over the top, pull the heartstrings. I'm okay with that. Okay. If that's what I'm getting going into it. But then when you have moments where 
all of the people who run the zoo. And of course it's a very eclectic group of characters. Actually, Patrick Fugit, who was in uh, almost famous as the young kid is one of the people of the zoo. And you got some other interesting characters. They all have their little personality quirks and, but they all get together in their little bar area at the back of the zoo. And of course it's this little, well, kind of a little bar restaurant thing, (laughs) but it's like, this is where like their lounge where they hang out after hours. And of course, like as soon as you get to there, there's like a Tom Petty song playing in the background and everybody's trying to be all hip and cool and you kind of get this idea that Cameron Crowe is like I need to like make this film more like my other films uh, so I'm going to insert these moments that just don't work gotcha. as well and uh, and there's a catchphrase where you, know, you can think of the other Cameron Crowe films where the whole show me the money it's say in Jerry Maguire mm-hmm. um, you know other just phrases uh, that he tries to weave in I think he gets an idea of a clever phrase and he wants to use it gotcha there's one in this film this whole 20 seconds and I, I won't I'll leave it at that if you ever see the film 20 seconds to do something crazy and foolish it's a great idea but it's just like pounded over the head <laughs> with you or the whole film I just felt like this was a very forced Cameron Crowe film Yes, did it get dusty and uh, watching it a few times? Yeah, I mean okay. it's it's you know I've got kids. I mean anybody sure. who has kids, I think would watch this movie and start to get a little emotional at times. But it was forced and mm-hmm. it didn't really earn it. It just they just knew how to play the right music at the right time to make make you emotional. So gotcha. uh, disappointed in that one. Well, let me let me ask yeah. you. Um, sure. So or let me just give you some hope. I don't think I think I've mentioned on another podcast. Uh, PJ 20, the Pearl Jam documentary. Yes. Have you seen it? I have not. Okay. That'll redeem Cameron Crowe for you. Okay. So see I've got it queued up on Netflix to watch. So hopefully okay. that'll like clean the palette here and, totally. and give me a good Cameron Crowe experience after all. Totally. Okay. Uh, third one, the descendants. You saw this one, right? Yes. Okay. The descendants, Alexander Payne, who I'm a fan of. I loved election a film. He did years ago with Matthew Broderick and Renee Witherspoon. I think great, great movie. Right. Um, this one starring George Clooney. I kind of knew going into it, it was going to be a little more downer, a little more serious than maybe some of his other films have been. I think he also did Sideways. Is that correct? I think he might have done that. Um, Which all of his films have a serious undercurrent to them. Mm -hmm. They're never flat out humorous, comedy, light, whatever. They're very deep, deep movies. This one, I think, was probably the deepest and darkest he's done. Man, did I really like it. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a really, really good film. Now you see why I was mad the artist won so much. I, I totally <laughs> get it because I think this film probably could have won Best best Picture. Uh, George Clooney, just, I mean, I, I think the guy's a great actor anyway. I do too. I think this is his perfect role. I mean, it just fit his age, his uh, his, uh, his 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 emotional range, everything was just perfect for him here in this film. I agree. I thought the kids, uh, his daughters were oh, really yes. good in the film. Yeah, they were. Um Man, there were some really great scenes. There were just some good. Basically, again, quick summary for those not familiar. Uh, he plays a, a man whose whose wife is in a coma. I guess yes. that's not spoiling anything. That happens right at the beginning of right. the film. Yeah. And so he's having to contend with his wife being in a coma, very fractured relationships with his two daughters. Uh, also dealing with a family land deal that yes. could be involve a lot of money happens out in, in Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. All of this kind of happening at the same time. He learns things about his wife that change his perspective on things. And I just thought it was a really good movie. And I got to give some, uh, a shout out to uh, one of the co-screenwriters, Jim Rash, only because I went to college with this guy. 
uh, you know, actually I've worked a little bit with him at the student television station, Chapel Hill, just briefly. I don't think he even knows who I am, but, uh, <laughs> just because he's a Chapel Hill guy, I'll give him a big kudos. He's a, he's an actor. He's a comedic actor. Have you ever seen the show community? Uh, no, but I've heard of it. Okay. I know of it. If you've seen the sitcom community, he plays the Dean. He okay. plays the very flamboyant Dean ball guy, very thin. Uh, that's Jim Rash. And he actually wrote the screenplay along with somebody else wow. adapting this novel into uh, a movie. Great job. Yeah. I, I just thought I'll go and spoil it. That's probably the best film I saw of the five that I'm getting ready to review okay. here for you. Yeah. Uh, next Cedar Rapids. Yes. Have you seen this one? I've seen that one. Okay. Yeah. I really like Cedar Rapids. This is uh, Ed Helms, John C. Riley and Hayes and Hayes. I didn't even recognize. I didn't even yeah. know that was her until yeah. I saw the credits. Um, Miguel Artita as the director. Not familiar with anything else he's done. Me neither. Um, this all takes place in a insurance salesman's convention. Uh, just because I have had to go to a lot of conferences and conventions, I could relate a lot more to the characters and the goings on at these uh, these trade shows. Uh, Ed Helms plays a very naive, uh, sheltered uh, insurance salesman who gets the chance to go be sent to Cedar Rapids, the big city of Cedar Rapids for this big conference at a big hotel. Sure. And, uh, the escapades there, the characters he meets, the, uh, influences he gets placed on them. Uh, I thought it was a fun movie. I, I enjoyed it. Wasn't a, a terribly deep film. Wasn't a big monumental film. It was just a good fun film. Um, John C. Riley at this point, I think I'd watch him do just about anything on film, uh, acting wise. The guy is just the guy's just a comic genius, I think. Right. I agree. I Cedar Rapids I liked okay. It was just I wish either it had been somebody different from Ed Helms. I just I felt like it was too much like his character from No, it was. He was very much like Sorry. the office, pretty much like Andy. Uh you know, I, and that's why I was glad to hear Jeff who lives at home that you said earlier that he did show some different range yes. there. That's encouraging yeah. to me. Um, and John C. Riley, I mean, yeah, it was a, you could tell it was just a fun few days of filming for him oh, yeah. just to go in and be a character, but I still yeah. love the guy. I mean, it was, it was a fun movie. It was a good little simple movie, not a whole lot more to it, sure. uh, but I enjoyed it. Um, it's just more and more. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I want John C. Riley to be in every movie that I see for the next year. So, Fair enough. and then lastly, let me talk about the movie Chronicle. Now this is a movie we talked about in one of our news sections months mm-hmm. ago in that the movie had just come out. It's a superhero film. So there again, tying into the Avengers, but yet this is a found footage film, which right. we talked about. And I was a little sketchy on it, but then yeah, you well, it. but neither of us were big fans of the found footage. The idea that you're supposedly watching footage on a camcorder that was shot. It's like the Blair witch. Or the yeah. The which yeah. really gotten, has really gotten tired. Blair. I think the paranormal activity films, the Blair yes. witch, the, all these other horror films, not a big fan of those. So, but this one, uh, a little bit of background. There's a guy, Josh Trank, who directed this, but Max Landis uh, was one of the writers. He's the son of John Landis. Ah. Um, Max Landis is making a pretty good name for himself right now. Supposedly he and Josh Trank are both getting approached to do some bigger profile projects because of this film. Yes, it Avengers is. Avengers <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, maybe. Uh, yes, it is all stuff shot from a camcorder. Yes, it is uh, primarily teenager driven. It's three boys that find a something that landed on Earth and in, in a hole out in the woods. Hmm. That encounter with that item, that that thing from wherever it came from, gives them telekinesis powers, okay. where they can move things with their mind. They learn how to fly by moving themselves up in the air. Um, 
they learn how to do a lot of, yeah, they use it for fun, for tricks and all that. Gotcha. Then things start to turn very dark. Really? Where one of the characters who's got a very, very bad childhood, very bad upbringing, very bad home situation, is an outcast at school, has got a drunk father, abusive father, mom's about to die. Oh, wow. He, he decides the powers are meant for other purposes. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Huh. If you get through the first hour of this film, which I thought was a little tedious at times. How long is it? It's about an hour and a half. Oh, okay. If you get through the first hour of this film, give it time. Okay. The last 30 minutes are pretty impressive, I thought. Hmm. And that it does culminate in a very big spectacle battle. Awesome. um, That I didn't expect to be coming the way it did. One of the characters, I did not expect a fate that came upon him hmm. um definitely the latter half of the movie it turns very serious very dark and uh, it goes in directions i didn't anticipate at the beginning wow um sounds cool they incorporate <laughs> the found footage process better than most films could because if you think about it these kids can move things with their mind the kid who's the outcast who's kind of our protagonist he's our main character throughout most of the film mm-hmm. he decides he wants to start filming everything because his life has just become so bad with his father uh, uh, very uh, verbally and sometimes physically abusive his mom's dying okay. he just decides I want to start recording everything in my life because I think this is important Okay. so that's your setup for why he starts recording everything in the title of the movie Chronicle yeah gotcha. but then once they get the powers he can actually make the camera float and follow him everywhere he goes because he's controlling it so then all of a sudden now you've got smooth, not handy cam shaky footage, but like almost like he's got his own personal director or cinematographer following him as he does things. Gotcha. That's when things start to get a little interesting. And then they incorporate news footage later on and TV cameras during the big battle downtown. And cool. It's actually a surprisingly good film. Sounds um, not a great film. You know, if you go in with low expectations, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, I could definitely see this director and writer doing something more, and I hope they get opportunities to do bigger and better things as they go. But for a, such a low-budget film with basically no-name actors, I thought it was really good. So that's probably why I didn't get as much play, is because no-name actors and it was low-budget. So yeah, but it was the number one film for a couple of weeks you know, oh. when it came out. It actually yeah. did really – I think they did over $100 million with a $10 million budget. That's pretty good. Um, so, no, Chronicle was a good, surprising movie. I, I liked it. Um, special effects, eh, a little dodgy, you know, some, some parts of it didn't work as well for me, but you know, for such a low budget film, taking a chance like that, I say, I say it was worth uh, worthwhile checking out. Cool. Wow. Did we just really review eight films today? I think we did. It's pretty Ooh. impressive. Yeah. So just in summary of my little Thailand trip, uh, film, film festival here, <laughs> I'd say the descendants was probably my favorite film of the five. Um, Chronicle and Young Adult probably tied for second. Okay. Cedar Rapids coming after that in third. And then We Bought a Zoo was unfortunately at the bottom of the list. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. And then it sounds like Jeff, who lives at home, you got a glowing recommendation for yes. Dark Shadows. Only go check it out if you're a huge, huge Tim Burton fan and just want to see everything he does. <laughs> and then with the Avengers, unfortunately, we were a bit split on that. I loved it. You thought it was uh, eh. And was uh, that's where we are. <laughs> Man, I'm out of breath now. I know. That's a lot of movies to talk about. So So with that, I mean, we just shared a lot of reviews. I'm assuming a lot of the people listening out there have seen 
some of these films, maybe all of them, maybe a handful of them. So we'd love to hear from you. If you got some thoughts on anything we got right or wrong in your opinion, uh, some thoughts on the films that maybe uh, we'd love to hear, please send them our way. Info at themesh.tv or go to footcandle.org or go to themesh.tv. There's a lot of different ways to reach us and let us know what you think about some of these films. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your comments. And who knows, we may be able to include them in a future episode as well. I'm going to throw in a real quick plug for the next Foot Candle film that we're going to be doing in June. Yes. And that's going to be The Kid with a Bike. And okay. it's by uh, the Brothers Dardenne. So, the Brothers Dardenne. Dardenne. So um, it's supposed to be a really good movie. So if you're in the Hickory area, uh, come check it out. It'll be June 14th, which is the second Thursday. All right. So second Thursday of the month here in Hickory, we'll be screening that. But afterwards, we'll be recording our review of The Kid with the Bike. Correct. uh, French film, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we'll be doing that later in June. So look for that episode sometime after that screening. And uh, hopefully we'll also have some other movie news and other things we can share and talk about and dissect. But with that, man, this was fun. I like uh, I love talking about movies we've seen. And we've certainly seen quite a bit of them in the last couple of weeks here. So good deal. With that, I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, for Foot Candle Films, I'm Alan Jackson. I'm Chris Fry. Thanks for listening. Uh, visit TheMesh.tv to see what else we have going on here on the network. And until next time, we'll see you then. Cue the credits. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.